0: To learn more, what would you like the power to do? Bank of America, NA, copyright 2024.
4: Hold up.
1: God bless everybody. I'm your host of OPP, Corey Cambridge. And before we get started with this amazing episode, I want to tell you about my other show, Silent Giants. Silent Giants is a podcast that highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. Ever wondered who made the MTV logo? Did you know the person who wrote Earth, Wind & Fire's hit song September? Also wrote the theme song for the hit 90s TV show Friends? On Silent Giants, we learn more about these amazing people and dig deep to learn more about their most famous works. Be sure to check out Silent Giants on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Now, let me introduce you to our special guest of OPP.
2: Hey, I'm Sean Linda, co host of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. I'm excited to be on one of my favorite podcasts. You down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. Let's get it.
1: Pa bless everybody, and welcome back to another episode of O.P.P. Other People's Podcasts, is America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Sean Linda, co-host of the amazing podcast, Two Black Guys with Good Credit. This podcast is about two black guys who are both business owners with successful track records. And, of course, good credit. Each week, they bring you their straight talk and at times humorous perspective on making, managing, and protecting your money. This pod will educate, entertain, and inspire you to achieve your financial goals. In this interview, we're going to learn more about Sean. He gives us some sound financial advice. We get his podcaster's picks. And of course, we chat about his dope show, Two Black Guys with Good Credit. So, on to our interview with Sean Linda. Okay, what's up, Sean?
2: Hey, what's going on, man? Thank you for having me on OPP. You know me. Dude, <laughs> it's a pleasure
1: to have you on the podcast, bro. I feel like we met, was it this week? Last week? This week? week?
2: Yeah. Thomas yeah. is flying by, man. I didn't even know you were a hip-hop guy, so hence where I know you got the name from, right? Oh, of course I'm a hip-hop dude, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, hip-hop all day. But uh-huh.
1: I'm a really big fan of your podcast, man. I had a chance to give it a listen this week.
2: Thank and, you.
1: And I have been 100% tuned in.
2: I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, we try to... Um, deliver a podcast, a financial show that is just easy for people to understand. I just thought a lot of the financial shows out there are for people that have a little bit of financial um, knowledge. And I just wanted to make something simple because I just think the most people that are successful in finance. They just know what other people don't know. So I try to kind of create that bridge.
1: Yeah, you like my grown man best friend. <laughs> you
2: know what I'm saying?
1: Like, you, you have your friends you grew up with. That, you what you have in common, man. You know, I like Jordans. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, right. I like chicks. Right. I like hip hop. I like all that too. Right, I, right, I, I, right. All
2: the above. I'm, I'm into that which, too. But
1: now you're my best friend that I met as a grown ass man. That like we talk uh, about money. You oh, know what I'm saying? We talk yeah. about how we can save. I I you know I what I'm saying? It
2: was like Big Daddy, Grandpa. No, 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 no. All right, so we family now. Yeah, we family dog. <laughs> you know, you know,
1: you know what right. your show kind of it's a it's hitting me in a good place in my life because Jay Z just came back on Spotify. Right. And I've been listening to 444.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, Your
1: podcast reminds me of like the 444 for podcast.
2: Well, we did a show on Jay-Z on that album, 444. Shout out to Jay-Z if he's listening. And I just said, we, you know, he's on the mindset that we want all, you know, people to be, you know, especially people in our community. Because once again, I just think is that things we were just not simply taught in the family. Yes. And I've met, been around people, fortunately, that were taught that. It's just ingrained in them. They just don't even understand like how... I don't know that certain things. I haven't learned certain things, you know. So I just want to make sure that, you know, people in our community get the knowledge that they need. Because once we get that, we're natural-born hustlers. There we're we survivors. Go. So once we ne- learn how to play the game right, how to build generational wealth, how to leverage credit, they know stopping us.
1: So, John, before we get uh, into the interview, give me more a little bit about your background and who you are.
2: Um, well, I'm originally from, born in Canada, uh, child of uh, Caribbean parents from Barbados. I moved to New York in 96, but uh, and I worked on Wall Street for a couple of years. I worked at Chase Bank, then I went to Payne Weber, and then I, went, I finally ended at American Express. I kind of just followed the money, and I was there until 9-11. I was actually in the building when the first plane hit, and after that, you know, I was always meddling with real estate on the side because I just felt like playing the stock market for me was like, a form of legal gambling and as much as you know in finance there's still certain things that you don't control like for example our president one little tweet he can sway the markets you know I just felt like I had less control and being around those guys I realized who's really making the real money so I just felt like real estate I had a little more control of my investment and I could live and enjoy it you know so then I just started getting into real estate After 9-11, I kind of went, I wanted to open up a gym, but then I was like, I can't put all that money into somebody else's building. So I was like, you know, let me just continue to buy real estate. So I just bought and flipped and bought and flipped. And then along the way, I started a shipping business um, called NickNet Direct. Well, it's a website that allows people that live outside the United States to shop on U.S. websites. So I just felt people in in emerging markets don't have the same opportunity to shop on certain websites as we do. So I just kind of created that bridge for them. And through those journeys, I was like, I've learned a hell of a lot, you know, and I wanted to um figure out a way in which I could package it and be able to teach it. Because I think you're doing yourself a crime. Like you said, you're a rapper, you're an artist and musician. You can't leave with all this knowledge, you know. So I've, I just figured out a way I need to be able to share this knowledge in the way that I know how to deliver it. And not just, you know, I consider myself, you know, a black man first. And kind of a father second for the most part. So I was teaching my kids these things, but I just felt like, you know, I got to teach my community, too. Just as much as they need to know this stuff, my community needs to know this stuff. So I figured out a way and how I could package it. And I created this nonprofit called Financially Clean. And clean as an acronym. I'm going too long. No, it, no, it no, stand, no. It stands for credit, learning to live without, education, attention to detail, and no shame in your game. So we started that um, non for profit, and it was doing really well. People gravitated to the program and I would teach at schools. um, centers, juvenile delinquency, juvenile centers, all over the place, anywhere that people wanted to learn the knowledge. And I saw how lives were changing, how people were inspired just to show them. You know, I was changing guys that were playing number, hustling, and showing them, hey, you can hustle real estate the same way you can get equity, the same way you're, you're getting drug money, but with less risk, less exposure. You know, I have a brother who's been deported for drugs, so I know, understand how all that works. And it's just a life of paranoia. And I said, look, you can play it the legal way. And they get it, they click, they see it. So then through that journey, like, in- teachers and instructions, instructors and principals would hear what I'm saying, and they would then try to ask me, you know, certain personal questions on how to help them, and, you know, I was really about a youth program, so then I decided to come out with a podcast that would kind of address the masses, and that's when I came out with, um, actually, I was dating a girl, and she was just like, you know, I don't know what to call this, she's like, why'd you just call it two black guys with good credit? And I was like, that just stuck with me, and then it's funny how when things are supposed to happen... My friend invited me out. To, I don't even hang out with this guy on a regular basis. He invited me to an event. I went. The DJ was like Italian. I was just hanging out, speaking to him after a while. T- told him about the name. He laughed. The next day, he was on the train, and he created our intro on the subway, like, of the of the, the theme music for it. All on his iPhone. It's all him just in it, and it was just like, that's when energy is supposed to happen. So we started the podcast, and you know what? Our ups and downs, because the guy I'm doing with is in L.A. I'm in New York. And then at one point, we're like, oh, it's too much work, you know. And then all of a sudden, Black Apple rated us top podcast for Black History Month of 2018. They were like, oh, shoot, we got something here. And it's just kind of evolved from there. So that's it.
1: Okay. So, Sean, tell me, what are the common pitfalls that people commonly make financially?
2: Um, credit. You know, a lot of times, that's why I tried to focus on the youth, because I wanted to be a proactive program. Like most adults that come to me, they're like, yo, can you help me fix my credit? And I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy getting to the youth from young, because if I knew what I knew now at 19 and 20 or 18, I'd be that much further. So I want them to understand credit and how to use it and how to leverage it not just to pick up Jordans not to pick up shoes like how you can buy real estate with it, how you can use other people's money to make money. I want to drive that message home before they got their first credit card.
1: Now, you mentioned credit. What is the pitfalls that get people typically into bad credit?
2: Because they use it for the wrong reasons. They use it to purchase depreciating assets. They use it to purchase um, Things that they consume rather than looking at it as an asset that they can use to leverage to grow and pick up appreciating assets. Mm. So
1: okay. Uh, so give me some simple steps for folks
2: of how they can build their credit. Pay their bills on time. Regardless of the situation that you're in now, pay your bills on time. <clears throat> Don't try to max out the cards, leave some space. Understand like balance transfer, zero interest cards.
1: And and now <clears throat> let me unpack that a little further. What is that what does it mean to leave space? How much space to leave on the card? What percentage? Thirty percent is a good number to go okay. by. So okay.
2: if your limit is a hundred dollars, only use up seventy percent of it. And regardless of what, try to pay over and above the minimum. I always say in class, you know, it's you don't want to look desperate in any situation in life. When you're in, interviewing for a job, when you're dating somebody, and same with the credit, you like you always want to be Brooklyn style confident. If you show desperation, people don't want to mess with you. Lenders don't want to mess with you. If you're maxed out your cards, if you're always just paying the minimum, it's a sign of desperation. Why am I going to lend you money? With some, people like to lend money where they feel comfortable and know they're going to get it back.
1: Mm. Uh, Sean, how do you feel? What is a good way for folks to save?
2: <clears throat> oh, in this, see, in the thing that I've learned, like when I was young, and I was into real estate, I was just like a, I, my, I was cocky. I was like, there's nothing else pay me a better return than real estate. I'm investing in myself. So I kind of went full-fledged in it. But if I had to do it over again, I would still go hard on real estate, but then I do like regular contributions into savings. So even if you start out at $10, $15, $20. And a guy told me part of credit, our program is learning to live without and understand your wants versus needs. And this older gentleman told me this years ago, you can learn to live without if you making a hundred dollars now and you're saying, if I tell you to max it out, if I tell you to max it out and and um, put thirty of that away, you're like, oh man, I got my, I got to pay for my metro card, I pay for my groceries, I can't do it. You will learn to live without. You will adjust. So like you were just telling me earlier, you got to get a new job. If you get a new job right away, max out your 401k. Don't even think about it. It's money you never had. Never even thought about. You know, instead of like, it's harder tend, to adjust when you're already getting that money, but if it's money you never even had. That adjustment, you won't even feel it. So, any young people starting on a new job, max out your 401k, take the full contribution, the full deduction, and then build slowly. So, that, like, I would have had both games. Like now, I'm real estate deep, deep, and sometimes in cash poor because I've put everything into real estate, and I I wouldn't have had I would have had a cash flow going strong and real estate.
1: Mm. Okay, so I'm sure you probably hear this all the time, you know, and 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 sometimes it's it's true, just times are tough. You know, rent is high and our wages sometimes are kind of low. What are very practical ways for people who, I'm I'm sure you've heard that many times from It's relative.
2: I've been in this planet over 40 years and, you know, it's cycles. You know, everything is relative. Yes, times are hard. Times will always be kind of hard and you just got to learn to navigate and understanding about the importance of paying yourself first you will survive like you, you saving you're not going to go broke by saving you will survive but i believe like one thing has been taught in our community again my grandmother nobody saved better than my grandmother she worked at a hospital she worked in the dessert uh area in the in the in the in the hospital and she could cook her butt off uh, and i always tell her like you should you know, make a cookbook or something like that. And, and she didn't. And that was her gift. And she, now she's nine years old. She's really down to come down to just being a baby once again. And that skill, that special thing that she had, it's gone. There's no history. There's no, I can't leverage off it. I can't, like if she had all the recipes written down, I may have been able to make this cookbook in her dedication, in her, in her memory. So she left that skill behind, but she saved where to save and get her. Not as far as it should, so one thing that we're not taught in our community, again, that's all we're taught in our community, save, 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 so the banks can use our money to make their money. One thing, saving should lead to investing. There should have been a point where my grandmother should have been like, okay, I've learned how to professionally make desserts by working at the hospital, plus adding my own spin to it. So now let me invest in myself create a cookbook, create something, start teaching classes or whatever. That's the mindset that the switch has to happen. If you just save, 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 you're not going to build wealth. You have to convert saving into investing. And I always say the best thing to invest in is you. Just like you told me today speaking, you're like, I'm going hard in podcasting because I do this well. That's your special skill set, and you've probably transitioned that from being a hip-hop artist, being able to speak with confidence and articulating your words and all that kind of stuff. So you found some now that you can leverage. I'm um, going to leverage my hip-hop and my artist to now go hard and podcasts, and there's a lot of room for it and a lot of growth in it. So now you have a skill, so now you've just got to leverage that skill and invest in you. Do what you got to do to get your game up to make sure that you are a unique person in that field and the demand is there for you. And then you leverage that and you ask for the money.
1: Uh, and and very simple. You mentioned um, uh, how you've gotten into real estate, and and very simple terms. How do folks get into the real estate market? Like, what are the things they need to have set up before they make
2: that leap? Um, there's many points of entry. I mean, if we're talking New York specific, like I have a friend, like I finally encouraged him to do a little bit of investing, and I'm like, you know, he's lived in this apartment in Clinton Hill. It's a studio, but he's paying like four hundred dollars a month, and he's making like way over it close to 200,000 a year, because that's another thing with our community. We get caught up in this system that when we are le- taking advantage of the system, we don't want to get out of it because we feel it's working for us, and that's a that's a wrong thing again. Like, these systems, like I said, social programs and cheap rent are bridges. They're not long-term holds because it, eventually against it begins to work against you, and it stunts your growth. So I told him, like, it's time to look to buy a brownstone. One thing we always do, talk ourselves out of it. Talk ourselves out of it, like oh, no, we can't do it, we can't do it. Like, when I, I have buildings in Clinton Hill, and I remember when I was looking, being from the Caribbean, a lot of my people live in Flatbush, and my brother was like, there ain't nobody going to sell your building in this part of the area, that part of the neighborhood. You're not going to get a mortgage at that for that amount. And to me, we just got to, I always say, go hard or go home. I, you know, if I want to meet somebody to interview, I start at the top, and I chip my way down. Like, I'll, I'll throw out names, like, yeah, I want to meet, I want to interview Jay-Z. And I'm just in my head I'm building a plan to get there. But in my head, this is where I want to get and I chip down. So if anybody's looking to buy real estate, you know, you look around and see where you want to buy, see where the opportunities is. And I always say, you know, I always dealt with the reason why I like Clinton Hill because worst case scenario, I could live there. I wasn't comfortable in buying places where I know I can't live. You know, so I just bought places where I was comfortable, like, hey, if anything happens, I can live in this building. And I think we as African Americans you know, it's important, more important we pass on assets versus money. Money can always go, but assets will stay there for a long time. Um, you know,
1: I'm still human. You're still human. Uh, I still like to floss sometimes. You know oh, what I mean? No, no, no. no.
2: <laughs> I, I I'm all about that.
1: But <laughs> but I, I want to floss smart. So, what are some things that we can floss on that actually appreciate in value?
2: Well, you know, I, I have a Rolex. It, it 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 it'll always maintain its value. But I always say, you know, how I work things out in my head, I always reward myself. So, you know... I always plan for these big ticket item purchases. And I, and I try to make other people pay for them kind of thing. And that's a mindset you have to have. You have to let your, you reward yourself when your assets start working for you. You, know, you have to get to the point where you wake up in the morning and your phone buzzes because you just had three deposits in your account where your money's working for you. That's the point you have to get to, where you've leveraged yourself, your brand. I mean, even yourself with your brand. If you get, when you get big in the podcast world, your, your name, your brand should be bigger than you. Meaning that there could be other people hosting OPP and you're just chilling because you've taught them a certain skill set and your brand is what's selling, not you. You know, Jay-Z is a brand, you know, and that's what we have to get to. So when you get to the point where your brand is working for you and giving you that income, then you reward yourself. If I make $100, you best believe I'm spending 15 of it just blinging. But then I'm going to reinvest 30 of it back to make that grow. Because, you know, you only live once. I'm not a, in the theory like, oh, I'm going to wait till I'm 65 to start living. Nah, life is a journey, <laughs> you know? You got to, you know, the, the rich of the rich, the Bloombergs, the Trumps, would give up all their power to be 20 years old again. They'd give up all their money. So the most important asset we have is time. So enjoy it. But, you know, enjoy it responsibly.
1: Sean, we'll take a quick break. When we get back and we'll get to your podcast, Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Thank you. Sean. We're back, my man.
2: That
1: was a quick break. <laughs> okay, so Sean, uh, I'm gonna take it way, way back. When did you first discover the medium of podcasting?
2: The same girl that told me about came up with a name, she invited me to an event in the city, and it was just like a podcast where you just tell a story kind of thing. And you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm just watching people get up on a mic, just tell their story, people laughing. And I'm like, and she's like, yeah, and then it goes on to this podcast. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, man, I could do this. In my head, you know, in my head I have a game going on in my head, you know, that there's nothing I can't do is just figure out how to do it. And, you know, I push myself all the time. I'm never, I'm never satisfied, and I mean, I mean, I don't know if that's a gift or a curse because I, I work hard and I just never feel like I'm at a point of like where I can just chill. So I was like, I can do this. And so my friend in LA, Arlington, shout out to Arlington. We um we always have these long financial talks. He's a more of an artsy guy. I'm more of a business guy. So like his points are always valid as are mine, but it's always like sometimes we see things differently. So we'll so I was like, yo, all those conversations we have, we need to share those conversations. We need to come up with something. So the creative guy that he is, we we figured we'd do a financial show. And then um my son's mother at the time, um, I liked her voice, and I said, we always need a woman's voice that can kind of, I think a woman's voice breaks it, you know? So we said, well, she can be on the show, and we'll make her, a.k.a. the lady with the facts. So kind of that's how it all came together, and we, like I said, we, were, we had our ups and downs because we've known each other for so long. Sometimes things can be tense, but when Apple ranked us, we were like, whoa. <laughs> are we good Are we good <laughs> exactly exactly
1: so for folks who haven't listened to the podcast yet give me the elevator pitch uh for two black guys with good credit
2: financial finance made simple simple like we try to just break things down make them simple make it urban and cool and that's it and then we try to talk about all different types of financial topics that like we did a show on estate planning called burying the dead you know, just talking about how to hustle through a state plan, and we did a show on life insurance. We've done a show on insurance. We've done a show, bling until you're broke. You know, credit—the good, the bad, and the ugly—about the gig economy. This gig, the gig is up. Anything that we think financial literacy-wise that people need to know, we just break it down and make it a simple. You know, we did a show on bonds, time to bond. You know, and. It, so we just make things very simple for people to understand and they get it you know that's and a good thing about our show i like to call it you know i don't know if it's politically correct to say it now but we're like the Cosby show of the 80s meaning that you know it was a show about a black family that the world embraced and we're a podcast two black guys basically that we people of all different race colors sex listen to our show because it's just simple financial literacy that they can get and understand and i don't think anybody out there is doing it like us in the marketplace
1: yeah, that, that, that's the thing I walked away with too. It's, uh, it's not just for black people. It's for people. It's For people, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: exactly. The name is just supposed to draw you in, and see the name. The name is supposed to draw you in, and then when you listen, you're supposed to like, whoa, because people. Will see, I'll tell people the name, and they'll laugh, and I'll say, "So what are you laughing at?" And some of them just like turn red and, and like, I'm like, "It's okay, you can laugh." <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so I I'll, I'll always say that podcasting is an amazing medium to rebrand yourself. Absolutely. Um, You know, you could be working in finance and all of a sudden have a sports podcast and no one ever calls you about finance anymore. They call you about sports because of your podcast. How's it been for you uh, stepping into the realm of of being a voice
2: in the financial world? Yeah, I get calls daily now. Like, I've I've become, quote unquote, a a financial advisor, which I don't like to put myself in that pool because I'm I'm not licensed in any way. But I kind of choose not to be because I don't want to be structured, you know? I just want to tell, like, there's, I have a story through things that I've done and I've experienced that I can kind of share that information. in the good, the bad, and ugly, I've, I've won a lot and I've lost a lot as well. So I don't want to, like, even with the show, I don't want to lead you in. My job is not to kind of, it's trying to figure out what you do and leveraging that skill set to reach your goal and just finance to back it up and push it forward. Like, it's not about telling people what to do. Because I think everybody, you know, I think we as adults are dream killers. And we should encourage people to live their Best life, regardless of what they want to do, but just have a plan that can support that initiative, and 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 build a fine and, and the plan is not—I don't think success is built off like having millions of dollars. Success, success is built off doing what you want when you want. Like I never understood people that after you make like seriously, I, okay, I always say this: a guy that's making five million dollars and a guy that's making five hundred thousand dollars in the United States—what's the difference in lifestyle? They're both can eat the same restaurants. They both are not able to fly private jet at that point. They're both traveling the same. Okay, one guy may be able to, to do one extra, a little extra thing, but overall, the 500,000 guy and the 5 million guy are living somewhat the same lifestyle, attending the same events, doing the same things. So why keep pushing and pushing and start focusing on like, enjoying life and giving back? Like, no, no offense, I don't understand when you make 100 million, why you want 200 million? Why? <laughs> why don't you just focus now on giving back? And folks, because your your lifestyle isn't changing,
1: right? And your lineage is good. You know what I'm saying? Like
2: you're stressed out going to these board meetings, corporate meetings. are right, I've been down that road. I'm sure you've been down the road. Is it worth it? Like once I get to a certain point, to me, it's very simple. Once I pay off my mortgages, I'm good. I've given my kids the buildings free, of, and they can get that generational wealth they can pass on for the rest of their life. And my days are about giving back. I, I really don't understand the mindset of people that have that kind of money and continue to go hard. I don't, I, I, I don't understand it when they can just focus on other things and, and give back and, and do things to help the community.
1: Uh, from doing this podcast, what have you learned personally from doing this show?
2: Um, I've learned that I have a special skill. And I think I'm, as I get older, I'm I'm more and more finding that special skill, and I'm learning how the world can respond to you. Like we we're lucky that we have a platform that basically anybody in the world can can listen to our voice and what we have to say, and we have something positive to say. So I've I've learned that hey, I have something that's unique that people like are are listening to and and wanna and wanna know more.
1: Mm.
2: And what do you want listeners?
1: Uh, I I mean, obviously, uh, you want them to walk away with learning about money, but is there a deeper meaning of what you want listeners to walk away with from listening to your podcast?
2: Absolutely. I want people to know that everybody has a special skill. And like from the Jay-Zs, the Beyonce's, the Brock's, the only difference between them and you is that they found out what their skill was and they were able to leverage it. So it's for you to find out that special skill and how to leverage it and how to monetize it we all do something unique that 99% of the people in the rest of the world can't do and it's for you to figure that out and then to go hard on it and figure out a way in which to monetize it.
1: Mm. Sean, we've come to a point of a show called our podcasters picks. Now, this is what I asked today's special guest to tell me their top 3 favorite podcasts and describe them to the audience. So, Sean, take it away.
2: Um, one of my first is a brother we just interviewed not too long ago. It's called Negotiate Anything. Um, it's really a podcast where he just teaches you the skill of negotiation, I thought. he was an exceptional brother, and it was really enlightening to have him on our show and to hear how you can negotiate things and, and kind of get what you want. That's number one. Number two, I liked another brother. It's create your own life. Uh, create, your, create your life. Um, another brother, he was, he was grew up in a foster home. He travels the world, and he just talks about doing things that will encourage you to live the life that you want to live. And um, and then the third one, you know, I'm, I got to put in a little Caribbean f- flavor in there. I'll shout out my boy, Private Ryan. You know, anytime time I want to hear a little Caribbean music, I'll listen to his podcast and, 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 and jam a little. So, What's it about? It's like Caribbean music. It's actually world music. He does Af- Afro beats, reggae, calypso, that kind of thing. Okay. So, so I'll listen to that sometimes when I'm driving. Yeah.
1: And Sean Linda, before we get out of here, yes. Why do you podcast?
2: Because I think I have something that the world needs to. I. I. Because I, I have something that I want to share with the world and help them achieve their best.
1: Wow, Sean Linda. Man, let me tell you something. I'm glad that we met, brother. You're my yeah. you're my grown man friend. We're, we're, we are grown friends. <laughs>
2: we are we are grown man friends. I'm appreciating you. Thank you for bringing me. I, I feel the energy. I feel the love, and I know we're gonna keep the connection going.
1: Yeah, man. I really appreciate what you're doing in this space because what you're doing is really important. Not just for our people, but for people in, in general. general.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the thing. I've taught all different kind of people, and you know, I, I'm a one. Before I'm a black man, I'm a human being. Yes. And I just think you know, my simple analogy is. You know, got a black horse, a brown horse, a white horse. You know, either one of the no horse is better than the other. I don't know why we as human divide each other by color. Cause God's gonna look at us when, when we get to that point. He's gonna look at us. You guys are a bunch of idiots. I, every other animal in the world, we don't divide on color. But humans, do you think I divided you guys on color and made one better than the other? No, you're all human beings. It's all geog- geography. Why you're this shade versus that shade? It's that simple. So I'm a human being first.
1: Charlando, we out of here, brother. All right, thank you, bro. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Sean Linda. You can find two black guys with good credit on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. This episode was mixed by Joshua Coleman. Theme music for this episode was produced by Richie Quake. And are you down with OPP? If so, please be sure to leave us a five-star review in the Apple app and let me know your favorite podcast in the review section. Lastly, before we get out of here, check out my other show, Silent Giants, which highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. And you can find Silent Giants on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Well, I'm your host, Cory Cambridge. God bless y'all. Till next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.